Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Extra issue, Sony's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I'm Kalen. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brent Wingate. So we're going to start giving you by giving you a quick plot synopsis. There be spoilers in here. The movie is rated R. R. Uh, yeah, so if you have not seen it, I don't know why you're listening, other than that you love us and hate Spider-Man somehow. Yeah. Um, so this is just This like, isn't Marvel Comics. This, this is going to be spoilers up and down. Oh, um, oh so after, I better tune out then. Oh, you haven't watched it yet? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, then who was that next to me? <laughs> I fell asleep. Oh, okay. uh, there was no one there. There's uh? no one been in that seat for 84 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so after reuniting with Spider-Woman, a.k.a. Spider-Gwen, a.k.a. Gwen Stacy, Miles Morales, a.k.a. Spider-Man from Earth-1610, is catapulted across the multiverse where he encounters a team of Spider-People charged with protecting its very existence. However, when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles finds himself fighting a multi-front, multi-universal war. <laughs> he has to fight the movie's big bad, The Spot, as well as other spiders who are led by Miguel O'Hara, a.k.a. Spider-Man 2099. And if he doesn't succeed, the people he loves most will die, and the multiverse itself will unravel. Oh, and you should also know, which I forgot. The movie. You forget the movie is two parts, so it ends in a cliffhanger. Uh, all throughout the movie, I just thought, if they don't make a third one, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, no, idiot. <laughs> I know. Like Brent turned to me and he goes, "Did we know that was going to happen?" They, I was like, "Yeah." They already announced they were doing Beyond the Spider. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, kn- I remember them announcing it after Kalen said, "You idiot, you're on the same podcast I'm on." <laughs> Um, so we're playing around with the format of some of our extra issues where for TV series, we'll follow the individual character arcs and then for movies, the major plot points and themes. Uh, let us know what you think of the format on Twitter at X or Instagram at Podcast. If you hate it or want us to talk about different stuff in a different way, we'd love to hear your feedback. Or if you just want us to review the Fast and the Furious movies, we'll do that, too. Uh, we are going to do the Fast and Furious saga and how it has influenced Jonathan Hickman's work. <laughs> we also we also, <laughs> we also uh, uh, accept nude pics, dick pics, Ooh, yes. just slide into Please our DMs days. or just tag them. Yeah, you know what? Email them. I like to print <laughs> them out, put them on the wall. Oh, no, fax it. Fax it over to Ryan. Nothing stops you from copying those photos and putting them into Word yourself. I bring them to work. I yeah. bring them to work. Show us your spot. <laughs> and I go to every printer and I go, do you have the? Do you have color for this? Do you have toner for this? <laughs> and they said, they do you it. work here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so before we get into the major beats of the movies, this was obviously a very highly anticipated film. We all love the original. It was groundbreaking and gorgeous. And it really felt like it elevated both film itself and comic adaptations. So like this movie had big shoes to fill. Let's start with your expectations. What were you hoping for and where did this movie meet or exceed your great expectations? I mean, superhero sequels in general, um, you have the you have the ground rule set and so you could just sort of tell the story with, you know, uh into the Spider-Verse and now across the Spider-Verse. This was a more complex superhero movie because it uh, talked about the multiverse. It has a lot of different Spider-Men. It, while it deals with some origin stuff, it's not an origin movie like a lot of like first superhero movies are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in this movie, it had to go bigger. It had to just go grander. And sometimes when that happens, movies can fall or they can just get crushed under their own weight. And there, there was a real danger of that in this movie. 
So I, I saw it twice. Yep. Um, the first time I was like, Show. oh, the, the pacing seemed off. And I found myself wondering, like, you know, what was happening between the big action, like, uh, sequences, uh, the big set pieces, um, and the quiet moments. I was like, oh, okay, I'm not sure if I love this. The second time around, it all clicked in for me. It all worked for me in every which way. This movie, I think, as much as I loved Into the Spider-Verse, I think this movie either meets it or even slightly exceeds that movie, and we'll get into why. What did you think, Ryan? Uh, my expectations were I wanted to keep them purposely low Same. because Preach. I love Into the Spider-Verse so much. And th- th- thank you, girl. <laughs> I feel I feel really feel the support. It is Pride Month. Yeah. It is Pride Month. <laughs> yes, Mama. Uh, <laughs> um, and I. I kept them low, and they far exceeded even what I was the best day what I was expecting. So I was really, really happy. Yeah. I think there's pacing issues, which we'll talk about, but overall, phenomenal movie. Yeah. So N- damn good. Knowing- Not just a great animation or any – all that stuff is fu- amazing, but this is just one of the best superhero It's amazing. Movies. It's spectacular. It's web of. It's friendly. It's neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. If you do something – that's never been done before and it's groundbreaking it's really fucking hard to do something that exceeds that as well yeah and i think that i was also going in low expectations i was worried that a lot of the humor would just be repeating jokes from the first movie which is an easy thing to do because you've already sold people on the concept Mm -hmm. and you know studios are so nervous about giving people something different from what they Correct. They was they were originally buying into, and I do think that while the movie m- might not be structurally perfect to me, I think that knowing that it becomes a, a third to me makes it feel like this, like oh, they're they're telling a much different kind of story all throughout. And it doesn't, it didn't help that it it's been five years since yeah. the first one came out, almost five years, building anticipation. There's been so we've had a pandemic. Yeah. You know, yeah. a whole fucking pandemic since the first one came out. We've had several superhero movies. Uh, the multiverse has been harvested and utilized so much in Marvel movies and even DC movies with The Flash coming it out. It came out so month. long ago that when people were people who were born when that movie came out are 18 years old now. Yeah. And Did they you all know have that? their own <laughs> We've had seven 9-11s. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so, I, I think the marketing with this, before it came out, it scared me because they were leaning into the cameos and stuff like that. I was worried that's the path they were going to yeah. go down. It's not. Yeah. So dovetailing on that was there anything about the movie in general that oh i hated it (laughs) (laughs) that that, rebuttal (laughs) that disappointed you relative to the prior movie some of the the action was so good some of the slower moments i think could have been uh i don't know I, i i i felt myself getting a little tired by the end of the movie so i think uh i i think just taking out a little bit of the meat in the middle and maybe the finale just felt like they they were building it up so much that you could have taken probably like 10 minutes away and that you could tell they were looking for their big ending at yeah. the end. Their big empire ending. Um, I The cameos and the Easter eggs, I enjoyed them. They started going a little bit overboard. Mostly I think it's because of the fan reaction in the first time I saw the movie. And I I don't know if I blame the movie or if I blame the fans, because by the time 
they show Andrew Garfield. They're like the audience, is like, oh my god! I'm like, yeah, the movie set this up. I mean, the opening scene has Miguel O'Hara basically referencing No Way Home with Doctor yeah. Strange yeah. and that kid from they Earth They show it in the trailer. They're like, get ready. We're referencing stuff. Yeah. And this woman's vagina shattered when she I've saw I've never it. seen him before except in that movie. Oh, my, like, God. oh my God. Oh, my God. It's Andrew Garfield. I mean, which that's that's why you go to the movies, too. No, uh, you don't. You don't go to the movies for references. No, I, that's to why I go Garfield. to the movies with that woman. Oh. That was screaming. <laughs> I, that was Ryan Curl. That was that, that was woman. Me. Yep. Um, what about you, Brian? What I think, you think? I, I think that uh, because I went in with low expectations, everything was great. I think the real problem for me is that it is so cram-packed with dialogue, Easter eggs, everything, mm-hmm. that like it is a blink-and-you'll-miss-it type thing, yeah. So that such that on rewatch, I like it a lot more because I hear all the extra connective tissue that in a more normally paced movie would be very clear and obvious. Like, for example, the character Hobie is going around grabbing stuff from uh, the lobby before going to Miguel's. Yeah. And he suggests to, uh, to Miles, why don't you build your own watch? And he uses the stuff that he stole to build his own watch. Yeah. Smart, I'm like, all right, yeah. that's great. But I, I could not understand him the first time I saw it. And I did not piece that together until uh, rewatch. So kind of similar to that, I was wondering if it was the movie theater we watched it in, which is a little janky now. But I think it's the problem with the movie. The sound mixing is not great. It's not because at the very opening, so you have you know Gwen narrating the uh, the prologue, and you know she's playing the drums really loudly, and she goes, "Let's do something a little different." And then she goes into all the stuff, and I'm like, "Wait, girl, what are you saying?" Yeah, because like the music, clash, 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 drum, drum. Yeah, all that stuff is so loud <laughs> that the dialogue gets lost. And like someone like Hobie, who is a phenomenal character, that's uh, Spider Punk. Um, he's doing such a you know like this Cockney slang that I'm like, you have to turn up the volume for me to even understand every fourth word, or just give me subtitles, yeah. please. Uh, so getting into the actual plot of the movie, I'm kind of drawing somewhat arbitrary lines about where acts begin and end. Yeah. But what can I say? I'm an arbitrary ass bitch. So act one, Gwen reveals her identity to her police officer father and is subsequently taken in by the spider society. Miles uh, contends both with a pesky new villain of the week, the spot who ultimately disappears into a pocket dimension and the reality that he's disappointing his parents by not being present and lying to them. Gwen Stacy shows up on earth 1610 to hang out with Miles while also keeping a bad tale on the spot. So Gwen is forced to reveal she's Spider-Woman. Miles has multiple opportunities to reveal this as well. How much of the revealing the identity storyline was important to the plot for you? And like, are you sick of this trope or does it work differently in some way now? I, I am over it in theory, but th- this is the best way to go about it. Uh, I think we're done as a society with the, it's stupid. We don't care anymore. I think their age, you can really see in this. They feel like a 14, 15 year old where in Tom Holland's Spider-Man and some other ones, teen heroes, they seem 35 years old. Yeah. So I felt the age a little bit more. So the secret identity stuff hit a little bit harder than I think it does anywhere else in the MCU or the, the DC, whatever it's called. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it was fine if we have to deal with it. I think um, 
the secret identity trope is really played out in most of the big two comics. Um, Spider-Man is the exception. Spider-Man is a teenager, and to build off Ryan's point, because uh, whether it's Peter Parker, Miles Morales, Gwen Stacy, or whomever, they're 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 literal teenagers. They're fourteen or fifteen years old when they do this, and you know they are um, balancing the weight of being a crime fighter and saving New York City, saving the world. Sometimes, you know, doing well in school, like not disappointing their parents because they're not fully formed adults yet. So there is. I think that stuff works with Gwen specifically. And we'll get into some more of this in the themes. And also because it's pride month, there is, you know, the revelation of who you truly are to your parents and how scary that can be as a queer person. Yeah. Plus with Gwen, and this is all over comic queer comic Twitter, the colors that were used in Gwen's universe and including like her hair and all of the stuff, it's all of from the colors of the trans flag. That she has now become a trans icon. She even has, blink and you miss it, in her bedroom. She's got a sign that says "Protect Trans Kids" on there, and then oh, like, that's ca- great. and then ca- yeah, it's wonderful. And Captain Stacy, her dad, even has like a like a trans pride flag thing. So it's like this fear of like the revelation of who you truly are, and your parent, your you know the the biggest force in your universe when you're that age rejecting you is incredibly frightening it's it's so so well done in this movie i I think that the the queer identity themes you know those are kind of a background constant in superhero stories but in this one especially the two times that miles or i want to say really there's three moments that were important the two times that miles almost says uh I'm a superhero. They really felt like he's saying I'm gay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also his dad screaming, you know, how could he not listen to me? To me felt like what is what is it that makes me so hard to talk to? That to me felt like the the classic story of like people having parents who they think they're loving and supportive, but they don't realize that the kind of love and support that they need to give is different than what they're actually putting I, out. I, I actually think yeah. the multiverse itself is queer. It's a, well, honestly, it's inherently it's a lot of closets. It's inherently like fluid. Um, you will see very different versions of yourself, all the same person yeah. on the inside. I think it, it uh, sexual, like it, it just feels very really fluid in general. Yeah. Um, do you think that cat had to come out though? You think that cat had to come out to his oh, parents? Oh, the cat, cat spider. Yeah. Uh, was yeah, his yeah, coming yeah. out tough? You yeah. think? I, I, no, I, it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that T Rex had no trouble. <laughs> <laughs> My I'm, tidy arms. I love that he guy. Has the whip. I'm gay. gay. It was teeth whip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah all, all the other ones go whip, and he goes the whip. <laughs> so uh, Rio and Jeff, who would be annoyed that I'm using their first names, uh, <laughs> are annoyed at Miles for a litany of things. How annoyed do you think they have a right to be? First, on him getting a B in Spanish. <laughs> I think it's amazing. <laughs> That's funny as hell. Uh, all right, how about him being late and missing his father's speech? Uh, justified, but I see both sides of A very protective family would freak out about this. Like, any really close-knit family would freak out about this. So I can see this being a huge problem. This is a big deal it's to my dad. Like, it's a, prom- a huge promotion. He's, like, really moving up uh, in the police force, and, like, he's just super late, and... He has a very good reason. He's stopping crime. Yep. Uh, and also New York City traffic is And he know, only had one task. Give me that cake. Bring, Give me two, that. bring two cakes. Cake, cake, cake. Yeah, yeah. that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I 
think the being chronically late would annoy me the fucking most. Well, you know creative types. Oh, they've got to <laughs> be late. They're, They're all Spider-Man. Late. They're all, right. all Spider-Man. So uh, him fucking up the cake. Yeah. How, how rightfully angry do you think they should be? Um, I think it's the icing I, on the cake. Because I think they are oh, easy. Easy. I'm not proud of You should not be proud of that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should have expected the cake to be have been fucked up. Yeah. But I also think, why are they letting him dictate what goes on the cake? Well, I think they that gave, should be I, ready for when he picks it up. I love that we're getting into the cake so much. Um, and I just <laughs> I want to focus on the important things. Uh, is the cat coming out? <laughs> is uh, no, but I think I think it's basically in their minds. They're like, I gave you one task. Just do this one thing, and show up on time. And he couldn't even do the one task. Uh, all right, last one. Uh, him wanting to go to school in New Jersey. That's disgusting. I think that's fine. <laughs> If it's Princeton, <laughs> yeah, go to Princeton. I I think I think that was a really funny joke. It's like like my baby, my only child. Everyone's mom can't does that. go one state over. It's New Jersey. It's so close. Yeah. It's so fucking close. My mom but it's was too like, far. "You want to do the community college in our town?" And I was like, "Absolutely not. Yeah. No, yeah. it's the same vibe. It's, no, that's very relatable." I mean, I went to Austin, like UT Austin, which is a two and a half hour drive from Houston. And my parents were like, "Wait, can't you just go to school in Houston?" <laughs> yeah, three yeah. hours away from me, and they were like butthurt yeah so the movie spent a lot of time uh dealing with the details of miles family life do you think all of that was necessary because it kind of comes in at the moment when miles is supposed to be you know if you're doing a traditional hero's journey this is the moment where he should be having some action kind of throw him into the actual journey itself and instead it's this prolonged series of familial interactions uh it's like a uh, kind of one day in the life of balancing this these complicated relationships. So I think you needed it. And this is going to be a roundabout answer. So bear with me here. Two things. It was a roundabout question. (laughs) It's a roundabout (laughs) question. We're going to go round and round. Um, So again, movies, superhero movies, comic book movies are adaptations of a serialized format. And so with movies, the inherent uh, limitation will always be two to three hours to tell a story that is sometimes told over several issues of a comic. You really build that in. This is why I've said on podcasts many a time, when the X-Men finally come to MCU, I really hope it's a TV series and they can eventually do movies because of the sort of the the soap opera saga of yeah. it all. And Spider-Man is also a soap opera in its own way. Yeah. Uh, so there's that part of it. The other part of it is, um, and this is what I was telling you after I saw the movie the second time, Brent, is there's a very humanist message in this movie. And for that message to come through, that theme for, to come through, you have to set up this family life. You have to make sure that Rio and uh, what's his dad's name again? Uh, Jefferson. Jefferson are fully fleshed characters. You have to make sure Captain Stacy, as Gwen's father, is as fully fleshed as possible as well. Because the underlying part of Spider-Man, I mean, his origin story uh, is that he isn't there for Uncle Ben. And Uncle Ben dies. And that is the motivating force for him becoming a superhero. And so... It's this like it's almost like an original sin. It's like if you want to use biblical terms, it is you know I said original sin already for uh, you know Adam and Eve, but also you know the crucifixion of Christ, uh, of Christ and him like bearing the world's sins, you know because that's what God wanted. Um, that, he was a weird dude. It was a weird. He's a weird, <clears throat> real, weird deadbeat. For you, a real. Kaylin, this yeah. is really interesting. <laughs> yeah. It is, and there's a point I'm going here with this is like so. Um, the whole idea of like loss and suffering is so baked into Spider-Man 
that Miguel O'Hara as the leader of the Time Cops, I'm just going to call them that, um, says that you these sort of canon events are all where where somebody close to that Spider-Man that universe has to die for things to be okay, and it sort of perpetuates the sort of Judeo-Christian thing of suffering. Suffering is part of daily life. We have to suffer to eventually get to salvation. Yeah. And so Miguel is telling Miles that you have to suffer for this to happen. Your dad has to ultimately die. The captain has to die, which is his dad in Earth sixteen ten. And Miles rejects that. And when he goes to the other universe, he goes to the universe where the spider that bit him, Earth-42, is originally from, it's where his dad has died. But that Miles has become the, a villain. He's become the prowler. Yeah. And so Miles uh, rejects this like loss and suffering to make him a better hero. He knows that he's going to be a great hero regardless of that, even though his uncle died in the first movie. And so... You know, the fact that the movie says that, you know, you don't need suffering to be a great hero is, God, it's such a wonderful and smart and just, like, humanist message. It just, like, really hit me like a lightning bolt as I was watching this film. So the question was, what did you think of the family stuff? Um, <laughs> I thought it was uh, very Christ-like. Yeah. No, uh, no, I, no, you bring up you bring up a good point, I think. Uh, and also, I think his actions with this are inherently the most Spider-Man thing you can ever do by being like, no, I am going to save the one person, and that doesn't necessarily mean everything's going to happen with this. I think with the family stuff, did I, when we had a long chat with mom number three, the, the third time I was like, we get it. She's a great per. I I could Jesus talked to his mother at least three <laughs> times. So. Also, there was crucifixion, uh, yeah. crucifix everywhere in this. If you if you look back, little Easter eggs for you. But uh, oh, I got an Easter eggs crucifix. Mm. I just I I do think they were just a scotch too long, and I think we could probably condense that down a little bit. So but just personal. That's personal preference. No, no, no. It's like it's a fair point. There's so many. There's so much of the Spider-Man story that, as you pointed out, Kalen, hinges on these traumatic events. But, like, when Uncle Ben died in the original Spider-Man, did you really give a shit about I Uncle Ben? I hated him initially, though. The thing I like about this was that there's the tired trope of parents are the real superheroes. But in this case, what I liked was that they had this kind of constant counterbalance of there's information Miles is withholding from them and they're withholding information from him. And the only way that that kind of comes through is by the father, you know, by Jefferson actually talking to Spider-Man, not realizing it's his own son. My thing is, and you brought this up just very briefly, Kalen, is he did have a traumatic event. He did lose his uncle. He was very close with his uncle. So I do think he has that moment that could be looked at or maybe overlooked by Miguel is what I'm thinking perhaps the justification is it's the, for later. It's, but it's that's the one event. But he wasn't but it, dead enough. Right. Well, know? it's it, honestly, it's like it's not just the one event. You have to keep suffering. And if you look at Spider-Man's history, it's Uncle Ben dies, Captain Stacy dies, Gwen Stacy dies, you know, Aunt May dies and then comes back to life at some point. And so it's all of this Powerhouse, stuff. Just like the real. <laughs> and Mother so Mary. It, it, I think it's it, it, it is it is actually a critique on writers using suffering and death, which is really important right now, because in Marvel Comics, as we've talked on pod, our regular podcast, Amazing Spider-Man number 26, which came out last week, the editorial and writers uh, of, of Amazing Spider-Man decided to kill off Kamala Khan 
a character who is barely a supporting character in this book to create like this like a, another tragic moment for Peter. And so it, I, it's got to be a coincidence. There's no way they could have known that this was happening because of timing and everything. Right. Yeah. But like it is, it is an inadvertent critique of this stuff. It's so much so that not even a Spider-Man comic, but there was a comic that DC published called Animal Man in the late '80s, early '90s that Grant Morrison wrote. That um, Animal Man comes in contact with his creator, who is Grant Morrison, uh, and they're just known as the writer. And you know, Animal Man goes, "You killed off my kids. You killed off my wife. Why did you do this?" It's like, well, to create conflict and to create a good story, I have to do these things. Animal but like, that's my life. I'm not just a creation. I'm not just your creation. I am a I am an actual living being, even though I am on this comic page. And so, like, I know this is not uh, a breaking the fourth wall kind of thing like Animal Man did, but the fact that, like, this movie made that commentary, and maybe I'm the only one who sees it, but, like, my God, it's just, it's so smartly done. It just is. Um, So, uh, we'll definitely talk more about trauma because we are a trauma podcast. Yeah. Uh, But... um, the last kind of major thing that happens in act one is that the spot makes his debut appearance in any superhero film. It's a little difficult to talk about him without getting into how he fits in the entire plot. But Ryan, what did you think about choosing him in particular? Did you expect him to be the full villain for the entire movie? What was his place in your mind? No, it was brilliant. I think uh, so many of these movies, the specifically Spider-Man movies, any superhero movie starts with, some stupid, dumb idiot of the week. Right. And then how are we going to handle it? Is bread coming out of him? It sure is. But, like, <laughs> I I just enjoy the start of this, and the voice acting with this is so Jason good. Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman is so good, and we will get into the arc, but to see it start as that way and to go to that, it's so interesting. It's and a little to weird. not even be taken seriously when that's all he really wants to. And that's inherently like his villain story that, that too. way to type cast, way to typecast jason schwartzman as a character with an inferiority inferiority complex who is not being taken seriously and gets increasingly get crazy extremely from petulant about it also the the real villain is that bagel that he got hit by oh <laughs> yeah that bagel. that wasn't he didn't even have any cream cheese on that day no schmear. what a fun Spe- little speaking of bagels so uh uh in the office structure where he was doing his initial experiment uh that that gwen was supposed to be tracing him on Mm -hmm. uh there was a billboard at the top of it that had a bagel on it and said it said all of the stuff all over the place (laughs) oh that's amazing (laughs) oh that's funny and then uh, if you go back and watch the first movie you actually there is a scene where like miles hits the guy with the bagel bagel. Yeah. yeah and there's even a graffiti scene that shows like like it looks like this figure that's like looks like the 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 spot that when he you know towards the end of the movie when he gets very menacing looking when he's like mostly black with white spots instead of white with black spots more inky uh i also love the fact that um he's not a traditional spider-man villain he's been used in spider-man comics but he's not green goblin dr octopus the vulture and so we've seen so many iterations of spider-man on the big screen and the small screen too that the fact that they used uh, like not even secondary like obscure tertiary villain and actually made him very menacing towards the end is fact so smartly chosen and the fact that he can basically work into the plot of uh because of his power yeah exactly have these stupid little 
venom appearances and all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that, really that was rough. That was uh, tough, yeah. <laughs> them, them looking at different angles very clearly from each other. Talking two feet from each other. Uh, yes, they're <laughs> inches from each other's faces. <laughs> they're about to kiss. It's like Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga performing at the Oscars. <laughs> I love, also love... Uh, Tell me something. <laughs> all right, get out of my face. I love that Like the the construction guys are like, can you please stop talking about your holes? Just it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so I think this character is fantastic i want them to just throw the list of crazy fourth tiers supervillain names into a hat and just pick a random one because those have the most space to paint a new character onto yeah um i just think he's i think he's great i love the idea that i mean it's it's so funny to start out by saying I created you and you created me. How perfect is our relationship? And he's sort of like, shut up. Shut up. I don't <laughs> I don't know who you are. Yeah. <clears throat> so good. Um, all right. So in act two, Miles uh, surreptitiously follows Gwen into the Spider-Verse with the first stop being a fight in the spot uh, with the spot in Mumbatan where they save people from a collapsing, collapsing Alchemex building. Uh, Miles inadvertently prevents a canon event and is introduced to the Spidey Soci- Spider Society, where Miguel tells Spider-Man that his father is going to die. Miles learns that that learns the age-old white woman TV shro- TV trope that you can't have at all and must escape from the Spider Society. Hobie fucks. He does fuck. Uh, Kalen, you said you hate uh, Mumbatan's <laughs> Peter. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, Pavatir uh, Prabhakar. Yeah. Uh, there is nothing about him I hate. I think he's hilarious and he's just as egotistical as a pampered um, Indian man is. And being a pampered Indian man myself, I know exactly how egotistical they could be. But like when he talks about his hair and like perfect. how perfect his body is, I doesn't want to work out because his chest is already big. It's already big. <laughs> it's like he doesn't want to get too big. Uh, I think what a great character in Spider-Man India has been in comics for a while, and he's, uh, you know. I've had like some uh, conflicted feelings about the character in the comics, but they handled him so well in the movie. Uh, I think uh, just his like uh, basically him coming after the microaggressions, like chai tea, non bread, don't eat, pray, love me. My culture isn't like you know this thing for you. Yeah. Why uh, would you say tea? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> just you could say it's tea, tea. Are you gonna have coffee, coffee with cream, cream? Uh, the voice acting was absolutely I mean, I fantastic. I have coffee in a cafe, so. <laughs> yeah. And I also love that it's not uh, Aunt May, it's Maya Auntie. Like, uh, like yeah. just like the little like details. Oh, so good. So I'm uh, the Mumbatan setting as a whole, I think is pretty incredible. Fantastic. An excellent so cool. multiversal addition. This is the stuff that you want in a multiverse. Uh, Ryan, did you have any favorite features? Were there, I, were there I, any things about this sequence that kind of just didn't work for you? And no, I think it worked really well. I actually wanted more of him in the entire movie, which um, I, I was kind of sad to see he wasn't really in it until the very end. Uh, the way his like webs worked were so de- like the wet the each Spider-Man had such a unique webbing in this yeah. that it was so fucking fun. Like it was cool. how you could see it, and like his was just. My favorite by far. Yeah. I, th- I thought his design was just so amazing. Uh, and also, I, I'm from Mumbai, uh, and I went there recently this this past year. And when he goes, there's traffic here, oh, there's traffic here, there's traffic here, there's tra- oh, there's also traffic there. It's like, that's accurate. There's <laughs> fucking traffic everywhere. Like, that city cannot move at all because, like, everyone's on a goddamn car or motorcycle. I think a thing that was really endearing about that is that it's the same way a New Yorker will talk about traffic and they'll just be like, <laughs> love this city. Mm-hmm. Traffic, traffic, traffic. You know, yeah. Like, oh, gosh. Yeah, 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 you really do enjoy this place. Um, 
so uh, the spot is kind of jumping around uh, from universe to universe to find multidimensional colliders so he can suck that concentrated dark matter from it. Uh, so I know this is a little speculative at this point, but as a speculation podcast, mm-hmm. what do you think his plan is? Is it simply get power, destroy Spider-Man, or, or are you holding out hope there's like something more to it? I think I, I think he, he flat out says it in the movie. I, I'm getting power so I can destroy Spider-Man, but I'm hoping it's so he can get back to being, you know, having a human face again or something, looking a little bit normal, finding some sort of solution to his crazy powers. Because ultimately, like, that's a lot of villains in general is they just want to be human again. Um, I know we are a speculation podcast, but I am... I don't know when Beyond the Spider-Verse is coming off, coming out, but like I am it's willing. Coming off, yo. It's, coming, com- it's coming out uh, March 29th, 2024. Okay, so next year? Yes. Oh, good. We don't have to wait that long. Yay. Um, That's why it took five years, by the way, because they were making they both of them both, at the same time. Yeah. By the way, this is very much Back to the Future 2, 1, 2, and 3. Like the model that they're using for this, I think it's very smart. I didn't hope they Lord go the... completely Western. Didn't Lord of the Rings do the same thing? Uh, they filmed all three at the same time, so there's oh, only okay. a year at okay. a point. But like between Back to the Future one and two, it was fi- a five year di- or four year difference, and then uh, between two and three, it was like six months basically because they filmed two and three right around the same time. But uh, I am willing to just give um, trust the creators and whatever they're gonna do in the third one that I think it'll be something I can't even expect. Yeah, I think th- that's the goal that they're trying to do now is so you can't predict what's gonna what it's actually gonna be. Hey, it looks like another Alchemex Corp is working on interdimensional tech here. Uh, do you think that means Miguel is coming down too hard on Miles uh, for a lot of this? I don't know what you're saying, but I will that, say that across. I will the... say I did just start a new job at Alchemex. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah recently, and we've had a bunch of break-ins. It's so weird. You're, and you're just <laughs> stocking the bagels. <laughs> Uh, that that in a multiverse, if if this one company is fucking things up across the multiverse, yes, maybe it's not the victim of that. Maybe it's yeah, the corporation maybe let, that's doing it. Let's not glorify these deaths, Jesus, and try to find the real root. Alchemex is too big to fail. You know how it yeah. goes. <laughs> um, big Alchemex. Yeah. You know them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what do you think of the uh, dissolving black goo that's now ravaging the poorest parts of the bottom of Mumbai? Get into uh, it. It's sexy as hell. Come it's out. Like, that I was gonna say it's, in. it's very accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's, re- <laughs> it's very real life. <laughs> Reverse gentrification. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I did like Hobie saying it's a metaphor for capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> accurate. But, I love how consistently inconsistent hope he is yes it's great he's infuriating i love love it it's when he randomly leaves i'm like this son of a bitch i'm on his side Uh, (laughs) he definitely fucks my god when he took off that mask it's like how are you even cooler i was always cool his animation style was so fun that like sort of like papery sort of like yeah it's very it's very uh anarchy in the uk uh like sex pistols like the like the magazine cutout when he like takes off his mask it's like i don't work on a team didn't you say you were in a band? band. I don't believe in consistency. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think that the, this is kind of nitpicking, but the I've got a problem with the all right. This giant fucking building is crushing a densely packed city, and they're like saving one bridge of people, and we're supposed to walk away feeling like everyone was saved when the rest of the building is subsuming people into this iker of nothingness and empty void. It's like. 
Spider-Man, Spider-People, there's like thousands of people dead right now. Uh, maybe we shouldn't be cheering. Which I think that gives Miguel's point some credence. Is like, hey, Miles, by you saving, you know, the, the uh, Captain Singh and this little girl, you've actually endangered this city and this entire universe. Yeah. Um, and so, like, the reason why this movie has to work is Miguel's point is is a very salient one. It's a very... You know, it's one that you can actually see his point of view, even though he's kind of a kind of a douchebag, but he's so hot. He's so hot. He's so hot. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into the Spider Society and, and Miguel. Um, this is when the movie started cooking for me. <laughs> <laughs> now we're kind of with gas. Yeah. So let's talk about it clusterfuck style. <laughs> uh, let's talk Easter eggs, favorite inclusions. Uh, anything about Miles being trapped up to being Miles being trapped in the laser prison? Um, I think for me, uh, Ooh, that my, was a whirlwind. My my favorite that. was uh, Web Slinger because the horse was upside down and correct. Also, it's a web. western. Of course, it's your favorite. Well, it's it's that he he slings webs from both his hand, hooves front hooves and his back hooves. The, the creative <laughs> webbing is so good. Every single Spider-Man, even in the other scenes, they all do it a different way. It's so smart. Yeah, my favorite Easter egg was Peter Parked Car. Oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah which is in the comics. Yeah, spot the Spider-Mobile. Yeah, Spider-Mobile. Like, yeah, they they basically turn into a Spider-Man. I'm like. Fucking Perfect. idiots! I love it. So many good ones. Yeah. So many. Uh, good so ones. we saw um, uh, the Prowler uh, being played by Childish Gambino. Yeah. Um, do Great you think, Easter egg. Do you think that is a confirmation that he will be the Prowler in another um, Tom Holland Spider-Man movie? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think I think it is a pure Easter egg because, as you recently found out. Uh, uh, Donald Glover is the inspiration for Miles Morales because yes. he yeah. put on social media that he wanted to be Spider-Man, which is when Brian Michael Bendis was writing <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man. Started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're like, get this man a Spider-Man. But now yeah. he's I want Donald old. Glover as Spider-Man. <laughs> um, and Brian Michael Bendis, who was writing Ultimate Spider-Man at the time, killed off Peter Parker in um, Ultimate. U- Ultimate Universe, which is Earth-1610, uh, and uh, replaced him with Miles Morales. And so... You know, the scene when, like, they're looking at each other, it's like, okay, I get it. It's wink, wink, nod, nod. Loved it. Just the the action in this is so good. When he's, like, trying to get away from them. Also, logistically, you think one of them would probably have a leg up on him, but nope. Nope. He gets away from them all. So some of the other cameos we saw, uh, a boring rhino. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, there was the video game uh, version of uh, yep. Spider-Man. I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Um, we met uh, Spider Bite, I think. Or was that yeah. Yeah, 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 she was great in this. I, I wanted more of her too. And she's gonna. Be, I, it looks like she's ju- the third I'm one. I'm always gonna say it's like a bloated movie, but then I'm like, I could have done more with but it. That, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it's and it's like yes, this you know, uh, it could have been a series, but you could also you didn't have the funding to make this a series. Like it had yeah. to be a motion picture. So can we talk about Miguel's vision of the universe? So. He, they have the a kind of tree that looks very similar to the ring that we saw in at the end of uh, in in Multiverse of Madness and at the end of uh, Loki season one mm-hmm. um, that is surrounded by a web of canon events mm-hmm. making up the Spider Verse. The one problem I have with it, so his belief is that like you've got to suffer, you've yeah. got to go through this specific set 
mm-hmm. of trials in order to become the you person who saves the universe. One specific scene where you're holding a dead person in your arms, right? Because that's my, how you know. My the thing that makes me uncomfortable, and I hope that the the they got a little bit at it, but I hope the next movie addresses it. Is what is the relationship between Peter Parker and the entire universe existing? Because that seemed like a very tenuous connection, and I know that like Gwen questioned him at one point about it. Yeah, but yeah. to me, it seems like a crazy belief that you don't have a lot of evidence for. Well, to to paraphrase our good friend Ryan Krull, hurt people hurt people, and <laughs> um, and I think it is a cycle of abuse of like I went through this. That means that you must have to go through this for your own trial and tribulation. It's hazing in fraternities and sororities. Um, it's, you know, uh, you know, having, being abused as a kid and then abusing your own kids or dependents, you know, later in life, because you went through this as well. Uh, it's any kind of environment, whether it be professional, military, whatever. And, you know, I think that's what Miguel is. Miguel's like, I I suffered. I really suffered. That means that the rest of you must also suffer for the multiverse to continue. It's very it's self-centered and it's it, and it's it's about perpetuating the cycle of violence. But why specifically Peter Parker well, every so single my, time? My, my, or is it just Spider-Man. My hope is that the explanation is something along the lines of that episode of Rick and Morty where they're on a planetary uh, pop music show. Uh, that at the end of it, they go, the people who form this like whole religion around these giant heads go, mm-hmm. we might have connected a few things that were unrelated. <laughs> um, but since you uh, mentioned the, the I suffered, therefore you should suffer. I think I also want to talk now about how the movie relates to like the immigrant experience that like there are generations of people who I, I think the movie does uh, has a lot to say about immigrants in our country from the nature of Spanglish, Puerto Rico is a part of the United States, to the idea that like, if someone has made it this far, mm-hmm. you also have to go through all the same steps that I made it through. Right, it's like, it's like uh, some immigrants feel this way or some people of color feel this way. It's like, oh, I got to this, this point, now I'm gonna pull the ladder up, so you have to do the same trials and tribulations I did to get there, when it should be easier for the next generation. Um, so we're almost at the seven-year anniversary of the Pulse shooting uh, in Orlando, and I'm bringing this up for a very real reason. Is the you know obviously it was a very traumatic event for all of us, um, and you know I thought I was like over some of my like grief and sorrow, or at least the uh, like crying about it, I should say. And then I saw this like post or tweet from uh, an older lesbian that's saying like, "We, uh, you didn't have to go through this." My generation went through this, you know, and I was hoping that y'all, that we were past this and we're not. And that like just breaks my heart. And I'm going to start crying just talking about it again. And it's just like, it, you know, there's a lot of people who are gay, queer, I- immigrants, people of color who, you know, rightly say, I don't want you to go through what I went through. And there's others that don't. There's others that really say you have to go through the same trials and tribulations I did. I think it's a really smart point you brought up. Well, I think that there's this question like... Is Miles Morales the spideriest Spider-Man? Because you've got all the like, what are? We'll play a game later about identifying what a Spider-Man is. But there's kind of this group hegemony that like, do most of the Spider-Men, the Spider people, get to decide the experience or the right way for a Spider-Man to be? I 
I think I think this movie does such a good job because we know what Spider-Man is right mm-hmm. now. We know what this is. And they do such a good job of saying the reason why he is so special is not just because it's an anomaly, but like he is acting the most Spider-Man that you can, which is beyond the traditional Peter Parker, which is yeah. why he is the most important than anyone else with this. Yeah, his unique experience is what makes him so special. And he kind of, you know, poo-poos and, the idea of like having a story early on, but that the thing that makes him special is the thing that like sets him apart from all those other Spider-Man and why he is the most important hero. And remember, he's an accident. He wasn't supposed to be Spider-Man. He's the anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. He's the anomaly. It was Earth-42 Spider yes. came and bit him, and so he is allowed, he sees things in a different way versus the others feel they have to fit into this pattern that Miguel sets out for them. I think, I think it's pretty obvious that we'll find out that his path is also another path to be Spider-Man or obviously. Uh, blah, blah, blah. We, we yeah. get it. But but it's it's just so well done that you realize he truly is the most important one and sort of fuck the old Peter Parker, which I really like. We kind of got it with the other film, yeah. but it's really driven home with this. Yeah. So let's get into the crazy escape uh, in Act 3 where Miles escapes and leads 8 million spider people to utilize more efficient transit on the train going up. (laughs) Uh, Miguel reveals that Miles is the wrong Spider-Man. Miles returns, quote-unquote, home. Uh, Gwen has a confrontation. Gwen uh, has a (laughs) confrontation with her dad, and Spider-Man confesses his identity to his mother. But Miles realizes he's in the wrong universe. His Uncle Aaron is alive. Yeah, wow! <laughs> yeah, I can hear it in my head. Yeah. Um, so Uncle Aaron is alive, and his father is dead. The Miles of this universe became the Prowler, and Gwen collects a bunch of spider friends while Miguel goes on the hunt. Um, what did you make of the revelation that Miles was the wrong Spider-Man uh, and should not exist? Did that have any impact on you? Because I thought, for me personally. It was a nice addition that wasn't supposed to be this major revelation. Oh, yes, obviously, this is a spider from a different universe, but I never thought about it in those kind of terms. So to kind of build on what Ryan was saying about, we find out that that Miles is maybe the most spidery of the Spider-Men, the one who sets a new path. I think it's almost like a meta commentary on people, fans who say that, oh, Miles Morales isn't really Spider-Man. Peter Parker is the only real Spider-Man. Miles Morales could be another character. He could be the Black Spider. Okay, you can't really call him that. Or, you know, Spider-Boy or Spider-Kid or whatever. It's like, no, those motherfuckers, he is Spider-Man. And, you know, the fact that, like, he wasn't supposed to be, but is and could be the best and might already be the best, I think is... That ever was? That ever was yeah. and ever will be. Uh, I think is it's a commentary I'm sorry, on... I was doing Pokemon. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, is a commentary yeah, on the haters that like basically think that Miles is not a is not a real Spider Man, and I think it slipped in so well too that even people that are like that's not Spider Man, um, they might even turn around a little bit with the 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 way this story is done. It's done in such a great it's way. So good. Um, I think we're doing a disservice here, Brian. I'd like to call you out. Of sure, I'd here. like you to talk into the mic. Oh, great. Um, uh, I think Spider-Gwen has had such a huge role in this film that she is almost just as featured as Miles is. I agree. 
And I think, what? Sorry, what are you correcting? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, we just haven't mentioned her a lot. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. <laughs> no, but I, I think her, int- her intro and then to, like, her story throughout was just as powerful. Yeah. And she could have easily just slipped into the background, sort of like uh, some of the other characters did. But I'm glad that they concentrated so much on her. You actually didn't do anything wrong, Brent. I'm oh, so thank sorry. you. Yeah. <laughs> they just wanted to attack I, you. Do you know, my my, sorry, hair, my so hair stood up when you said uh, spider people hurt spider people. Isn't that what, isn't that the saying? That's With exactly great it. responsibility yeah. comes at blaming. Um, <laughs> well, I don't want to exclude Gwen from please the narrative. Please don't. I've yeah. got a set of questions here. Great, please. <laughs> what did you think of the train fight in general? Mm-hmm. Does going up? Make a difference? <laughs> Why are you obsessed with this up? Because it was going. Where was it going? It was, it was going. Weird. It's the year twenty ninety nine. They don't go across. They, they go, go up. up. They go up into the Spider Verse. Our train is going up. Uh, that yeah. I do think. Uh, kudos to the movie because it was giving me anxiety. How much? How fast they were going and how high up they were going. <laughs> I was just like so worried. What if someone falls? It, it also was reminiscent of like you know the Doctor Strange Spider Man fight with the weird train thing too yeah. like there's a little bit piece of that which yeah, is kind of yeah. fun similarities and then uh spider-man 2 has the the let's, big subway train right, let's too, not so get into where all this he does stuff, where he is... does his cum face yeah, uh, yeah, 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 like, yeah. we'll talk train. about spider-man and trains later yeah <laughs> well i also love you worry. that's off pod though <laughs> i love that like in the future they realize that the best way to do train travel is to go vertical yeah <laughs> <laughs> none of this confusing flat rail <laughs> <laughs> Go at a 90-degree angle, baby. Yeah, uh, the, the, the fastest point between point A and point B isn't a straight line. It's up, up, yes, up, 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 and then down. It's up. Um, so it looks like there might be some factionalization within the spider society. Um, but did you think it was implausible that more spider people didn't stand up sooner? Like, uh, Jess, I thought, was an interesting kind of middle ground. I love Jess. Um, but I fine. also do like that the one person kind of standing up for Miles was Gwen. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed in Peter B. Parker. Yeah. You got to show up. Also, stop bringing your kid to every fight. Seriously, fuck you, That kid is really cute, though. (laughs) Oh, we got to look at Spider-Girl in the future. I know, Mayday Parker. Yeah. Dumb. It was Why weird. do you hate kids? I they, I think they're the, gross. The it shows that Miguel being a leader, this sort of super crazy leader, just people are eventually going to speak out against him. And sure, he's a villain in this one, kind of villain, anti it's whatever. Hero, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think he's gonna have to come around because a lot more people are gonna get on her side. Uh, I think you know for. Whatever reason, Miguel's kind of a cult leader. Yeah, and cults end up following. Oh, I've watched a lot of documentaries. He's exactly what a cult leader is. They like. always wear that same outfit. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> uh, he's incredibly charismatic, and but also hot. so hot. Uh, did you also love the little like little Easter egg? When uh, Gwen is like talking about Miguel, it's like, oh, he's like this kind of ninja vampire guy, but he's actually good. And, and then Miles goes, a vampire, good guy. I'd pay to see that. It's like, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, because Morbius came out. <laughs> you didn't pay to see it. Maybe uh, that better factor into thought, something later. I thought cause... you were mentioning the Miguel uh, Spider-Man 2099 hamburger. Uh, as they're running through, there is a. Uh, a promotional hamburger for <laughs> Miguel. That I missed bl- that. It's a blue hamburger with like little red lines on it. Oh this my is god! It's gonna be so rewatchable. Uh, it <laughs> it's crazy. Really is I want to watch it again. I just saw it like, I know. twice already. So the other major reveal is that in trying to get home, Spider-Man goes to the universe his spider is from, 
Uh, did you clock that reveal? Uh, and what did you think of the con- his confession? I want you to walk me through how the moment went down for you. Um, first and foremost, both Kaylin and I just went, <sighs> and both shook our head at the yeah. same time. <laughs> I made eye contact. Well, yeah, yeah. we're like, yeah, we know this. Well, okay, I, did- I saw I saw Earth forty two, and I'm like, wait. That doesn't seem right, but no, whatever. That you mean mu- the end of the scene after the revelation? No, no, when the little screen came up and said Earth 42, and I go, I thought he was from something else. No. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to, no, whatever. I'll, I'll just go with it. Yeah. Uh, I did see it coming because, especially even when her reaction was like, I don't know who that is, I thought that was... I know it was played for comedic effect. I knew exactly where they were going with it. But I think that's I'm the point okay where you it. should start to realize those things. Yeah. Even I, before, though, it was a little too convenient. Everything just... They, they they do such a good job of invoking a tone in everything that they're doing, the music, all of that. So as soon as he arrived, it just felt a little bit more still and less homey. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they use colors a lot to denote like the different universes. You know, Every Gwen's universe... One, yeah. Has, um, the earth she's from, you know, looks a certain way. Hers is like a Rothko. A little bit, but it's also, I think it's got a lot of trans colors again. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, you know, 1610 looks a certain way. This didn't look like 1610. Yeah. Also, we've seen enough movies, read enough comics, watched enough TV shows to know the sort of the sequences of like, hey, something's not aligning. Swerve. Like you see the scene where like, you know, Rio comes into the room. He's talking, you know, uh, Jefferson drives in. Uh, uh, Gwen's looking into the window, but none of the scenes connect exactly. Yeah. So you're like, wait, something's up. Like something, something's not aligning, and that's deliberate. And so I like as soon as that started happening, I was like, I don't think he's in the same universe. So fun thing. So he throws on clothes, uh, and the clothes that he throws on. Uh, earlier in the movie, he's wearing a, a black and red hoodie, and this he was wearing a black and purple hoodie. Oh, uh, like thrown on clothes. I love the the visual cues there. So I actually got wrapped up a little bit. the The reveal did get me, and I I fucking loved it. But the thing that I got kind of excited about and acted as a diversion was when she said, "I don't know who Spider Man is." The thing that I thought would be as uh, was I thought they were going with was, "Oh, what if you." What if your parents were just so socially unaware that they did not know who that famous person was? Once again, like, the queer experience being like, I don't care that you're gay. Can like, you fucking no, I was ha- I was hanging out with Shangela. We're best friends now. Yeah, I, I don't know who Shangela is. This, <laughs> this doesn't. I don't. I don't understand. Well, I mean, remember she did say that I think Spider Man's Puerto Rican. He's like, no, I think he's Dominican. Like early, early in the film. Oh, yeah. So she definitely knows. And also the, uh, you know, when he like is fantasizing about coming out to his parents as or revealing himself to his parents and they're like we love you and accept you even though you've been lying to us yes, you know like yeah. that's a very very cute scene uh i think the other cue for me is when she goes what did you do to your hair yes, and it's like yeah. like his hair looks the same i'm like wait that's when i was like something's really up here um i was like as soon as they were gonna reveal the prowler i was like give me those cornrows i know they're coming <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> he looks he looks so incident. good and menacing yeah it was great so does New York just go to hell? You better without, go to hell New without York. one superhero in it. And does yes. that mean that everyone who's demanding Miles Morales time is actively making the city worse? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, asked and answered. I think you hit it. Because, yeah. because when he Maybe gets on, you got it. When he gets on that rooftop, 
it's war torn. <laughs> New yeah. York is war torn. There's just some dirty rags. <laughs> There's like fires in the yeah. background. Yeah, and it, that's a world without Spider Man. Yeah. There is no Spider Man in that world to show. It is. It's a wonderful life. Like basically in like. Wait, two what, minutes of the movie. Uh, you're, uh, I'm Spider-Man. What, what yeah. you're, you're asking and it's this, in his bank and his bank. You're asking there's less of uh, a superhero presence. Like he was the only one. That yeah, was, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I, I think in a lot of these universes, yes, there's less of the Avengers. And all I guess that stuff. I guess in this world, there is only Spider-Man that you don't have the multiverse uh, or you don't have not just multiverse. You don't have uh, the Avengers, for example. Uh, I think you do in uh, Earth 1999 and I. Yeah. Yeah. Some do. Yeah. Um. So, kind of last major question: Gwen gets a dimension watch from Hobie and makes sure that Andy Samberg is not necessary for the next movie. <laughs> Woo! What do you think what of the relief. team? What do you think of the team she actually has? Uh, the greatest hits from Yay! Volume One. I love. Okay, I the all the new team is great. I'm glad they brought back the old team because there was a little even with Spider Ham existing, which shouldn't happen. I'm glad that we're going to get the old team back together. Aren't yeah. you? No, yeah. no, no. I, mean, yeah, I was, I, I was wondering it really where they ties were. These movies together, too. Yeah. Like, when, when what's her face just comes out of the robot and goes, "Hi, Peter," and like that's it. Like, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. the entire time. Harry, yeah. Um, they did, I think, include all of, all of the voices Penny, yeah. when uh, Miles is kind of rushing through New York and he's got all this kind of fantastical stuff happening. You hear the voice of uh, of Peter Porker. You hear uh, Noir. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm glad that they didn't say anything at the end. Like, let's go get them. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I'm OK with them not being included in this. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see them. And I want them to keep building the team. That actually is very reminiscent of what they do in the comics, too. Yeah. yeah. With all those crossovers. So I was excited for this team to come together. And I'm glad that Peter B. Parker, by the way, I love the voice acting for Peter B. Parker. I just realized the voice actor is the, uh, what's his face from Nick from uh, the it's, new girl. Yes. Oh, what yeah. a perfect voice, by the way. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. But she's voice. not even doing voice acting. Those are just real clips from his yes. life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so great. I really love that character because it's a Spider-Man who's grown up, you know, Mar- finally, you know, reunited with Mary Jane. They have, you know, May Day together. And he's like, you made me a better person, Miles. You made me want to reconcile with Mary Jane, realize I actually want to be kids. I could actually be a good father. And if this kid could grow up, you know, just as good as you, then I know I would have done a good job. Like that, all that stuff just really worked for me. It's we. It's nice we finally, after all these motherfucking Spider-Man movies, get to see that happy ending-ish. Ish. You know, he brings a child to a fight a lot. But, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's nice to see that happy ending. It's, yeah. He has a child now, so it's always a little bit sad. Well, I'm going to bring my baby. Oh, I guess I want to bring my baby to this fight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I love that Hobie goes, yeah, you crap on the establishment. I salute you. Yeah. Like, that's great. <laughs> uh, she's an anarchist. <laughs> yeah. So cute. All right. Let's, uh, let's play the Spider-Man identity game, and then we'll oh. wrap up with our thoughts about the future. Great. Um, all right. So Miguel O'Hara is a really toxic purist super fan when it comes to what makes Spider-Man a real Spider-Man. Let's take some characteristics about spider people and see how necessary they are to being a true spider person. I'm going to list a trait. Okay. And I want you to tell me if this is required, if it's gray area, or absolutely fucking not necessary okay. uh, for being a Spider-Man. If you have a funnier, more Spider-Man-y way of yeah. categorizing these things, I'll give you bonus points. Gotcha. All right. Being bitten by a special spider. I would say inherent. Well, I, I don't know. I would say that's a gray because there's been other ways they've 
gotten powers besides I mean, a bite specifically. I mean, there's a spider that flew through a window and Peter going, yes, father, I shall become a spider. I think a spider <laughs> mist might work. I think a spider um, oh, wait, nasal you, spray might work. Are there actually other... Because I do think that being bit by a spider, that's pretty... You think it's essential to that's be a pretty, bit? That's a pretty big essential. I think, I think it's spider-esque, but it, like, other ways... Like, can... if a guy showed up, and he's got, like, a sentient spider that's, like, three feet tall and just runs around with him, and he has no other discernible characteristics, that guy is not Spider-Man. Yeah. That guy is a man with a spider. Okay, well, uh, a let man me, spider. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, Game Master. No, these are my what, questions. What if you bite into one of those spiders? <laughs> then, oh, that's when it's... Spider, spider Brent. Yeah. Does a spider turn into a human? When a spider... Brent spider. When a, when a spider bites you and it makes you a Spider-Man, it's po- is venomous. When you bite a spider, that's poisonous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, gotcha. Okay. So, right. so yes, uh, essential. Yeah. So, uh, bonus, the spider is from your universe. Um, gray area, I think we that's established. That's a gray area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say absolutely fucking not necessary. <laughs> yeah. It's a spider. Yeah. You take, you take the bites where you can get them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Give me those bites. All right, losing a parental figure. Um, I think... It is essential, but I think this movie shows that it's not necessary. I mean, so you'd say gray area. I'd then. say gray. It's a gray area. Gray. It's it's yeah. That's uh, great. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. There's so many superhero backstories that are about the tragedy of losing a mother, a father, or both. And also, I think we saw when they he was when Miguel was sort of explaining it. We saw a bunch of different realities where they were holding different people, and I I can obviously assume it probably isn't a parent every single fucking time or yeah. some sort of like parent ask yeah. type of person. Uh, a police captain Spider Man is close to dies while saving a kid who's wearing a red shirt while fighting one of Spider-Man's arch Oh, essential. <laughs> essential. I, I fucking hate this one. This one makes me want to punch. The, this is so why I specific. hate the police even more. Yeah. It's so specific. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. No. It's like it's like Miguel is insisting like getting ice cream with sprinkles, but only blue sprinkles. You, we we could do it. <laughs> Pick even out more. all the other sprinkles. We we can do it. Um, your your parent isn't allowed to get a promotion. Yeah. Like, why is that factoring <laughs> into required. the multiverse? It's required to be Spider Man. Fuck off. Um, being on a subway or train. Spider Man has to be from New York, so subways and trains are essential. I would say they're essential. I don't. Every Spider Man story has. I would to have say a train they're somewhere. sexual even. They are. Oh, trains and tunnels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're an added bonus. I think it colors the world, but not essential. You don't think trains are essential to Spider? They have to be train esque. <laughs> but trains from train other, another universe is fine. Uh, did you ever? Because oh, he was also on. There was so much public transit. Gwen was also on a, a subway. He was on a subway when I, he stopped the armadillo guy. I think what guy. you're going for is inherently New York esque. No, it, I'm saying inherently <laughs> Spider Man. <laughs> I think tomato tomato. Tell me, name a Spider-Man movie that doesn't have a train. Uh, there's like six Spider-Man movies, and they all name take place one of them that but doesn't they, they, have a train as an essential plot point for Spider-Man. No, this bitch. I refuse. Lives for public transportation. He lives for the train. Well, you don't know my short film I'm writing. Okay. <laughs> uh, did you ever read the comic, uh, The Scarlet Spider, the one with uh, Kane? Yes. He and it's set in Houston. And it's so funny because it's like, yeah, it's a big city, but there's not enough buildings. And so he he's swing, always, yeah. he can't, he's like, wait, I've run out of buildings because the downtown's yeah. always so big. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> All right, well, let's go to that one. Living in a major New York-like city. Yes. Yes. Essential. That, that essential. is essential. You more, cannot, yeah, you can't put him than, in Iowa. 
More than a chief captain can or you, whatever. For can fun. you? Yeah, exactly. You can't put Spider-Man in L.A. You uh, can't put him in San Francisco. How about, I tried. How about <laughs> hiding his identity? Is that is that necessary? It, it, unfortunately, initially it is, and we're all over it. But you gotta have it in at some point. I mean, the one Fair time enough. they had Peter reveal his identity in Civil War, yeah, in the comics, that was big. it was big, and then it lasted for a while until they did what one more day, and then everybody forgot who he was. Yeah. So, um, being an artist. So he's a photographer, or in Miles' case, he's a sketch artist and graffiti artist. I think it's not artist. Well, well, I guess artist, but it's also a struggling sort of art form that maybe isn't getting the acclaim that it should. I think he needs to be some kind of an artist because he's also a scientist. So it's like right brain, left brain uh, working together. So you th- uh, uh, so Peter Parker selling NFTs might be a problem. <laughs> Uh, um, oh God, yeah. and, and really script. into cryptocurrency. I need to rewrite this oh, small script I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Peter Parker, the writer <laughs> from Tucson. <laughs> um, making a choice between a love interest and strangers on a bridge. Ooh. God, bridges, a lot of bridges. A lot of bridges. Yeah, I, Spider-Man is a bridge and tunnel yeah. superhero. What? I mean, he is Fair. from Queens. Yeah. Um, gray area, but yeah, probably. It's a little bit, yeah. At some point, he's got to be on a bridge, and he's got to make that choice. Yeah. yeah. I would say gray area, because I could, I could take one tragedy. <laughs> I don't need all three, you know, the captain dying, your a parental figure dying, and the a choice bridge. on a train. On a, on a bridge, a bridge yeah. yeah. But I need those trains. Yeah. <laughs> um, being a vampire, is that required? The fuck was this? This better play into something later, because what is that? Is, is Miguel a vampire? He's not in, yeah. in the comics. I thought in the comics he had, like, Oh, you think in the comics he was? Yeah, well, that's because of what I read it in com- <laughs> CBR. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't. I don't remember this. I thought they were trying to bring this to. Well, this could be the future speculation, but I thought it was because they were trying to make him into maybe something later for one of the future films. I mean, I've read some twenty ninety nine comics when we did the original Peter David run, and then Steve Orlando. Yeah, and there is an element of him being sort of vampiric, Spooky. but I didn't. But because like he's got like. He's got more of like a like otherworldly features than like you know Peter Parker did does or um, Miles Morales does, and so I think it's sort of vampiric. But I didn't realize they were gonna go full on him trying to bite, you know, Renaissance Italian vulture. <laughs> yeah, great character by great. the way, fantastic. Uh, uh, so no, ha- to no. answer now. What about uh, having claws? Is that a is that a necessary thing for me? No, nope, just a fun feature. Interesting, interesting. So if we were living several decades ago, and in fact some assholes still give a shit about things like this, mm-hmm. how important is it for Spider-Man to be white and male? Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Turn Get the up. tables. It's Get almost up. it's almost like Miguel is basing who Spider-Man is on the specific context he lives in and is not really thinking about the different ways that Spider-Man could exist. Got him. Girl. Got him. And this game was got. called Gotcha Miguel. Yeah. It's called Go we're, Work or Go Broke. We're on your side. You know that, right? Yeah. That's why you guys were saying got him. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I believe uh, that is actual support from you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So um, what do you guys want to see from Beyond the Spider-Verse? What do you think? Completely subvert what we already have ahead of us. Reinvent the genre again. Don't <laughs> put Miguel in it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just take him out completely. Don't have Miles in it. Don't have Spider-Gwen. Don't have any of them in it. No, I think they, they expanded this one so much that we really, I want it almost to be like a team-up movie. And so maybe we don't see Miles for the beginning part of this because I I just want to change what we picture these movies to be. You know, I 
I'm worried about my expectations being so high. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think I lowered my expectations the same way you did, Brent uh, and Ryan, like before seeing this one. Um, but clearly, this movie and even talking about it more has made me even love it even more. I'm now worried that I'm going to be so hyped up for this movie, which is coming out next spring. Yes. That like it cannot possibly clear those expectations. So I'm going to have to. It's. But even okay, even if it doesn't completely supersede all these previous ones i think even somewhat landing the ending this will probably be one of the best trilogies in a superhero for sure that I thousand percent agree with that. They, they, which is great to yeah. have they knew where all of the threads that they were setting up in this movie are connecting to the other one the fact that this isn't it, this isn't another production that's being made gives yeah. me a lot of confidence that it's like they had to tell the story in this way and they picked a point to cut it in half there's yeah. so much given in that last 10 minutes. That's why it felt a little overstuffed for me because there's so much loose plot threads that they just introduce immediately that I think they've really thought it out. So I'm very excited. Threads or webbing? Ah. A lot of loose webs. So uh, things that I want, I want want more of the actual what it was like for dr dr own or whatever his name is the, the 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 guy before he was the spot oh yeah uh i'd like to see that i'd like to see That'd miguel backstory, as well yeah. uh because his is kind of vague right now and not super well defended i also think it was a little bit weird that you've got that gwen had this team of spider people they're not all glitching immediately, so they they need those dimensional wristbands. I'm gonna assume I want, Spider Punk figure. It I out. want I want a Spider Society heist. I want them to break in and have to steal a bunch of watches and convince a bunch of Spider people that, to join us. Actually, how, I like how that. How do we get here? And then you figure out like any and I would love to see the recruitment. Yeah, yeah. Baby, You're probably wondering would, how I got in this situation. I, what I don't want is more Spider Men pointing at each other. Yeah, enough. Enough. Got it. it. Got enough it. and like oh we got it i mean i did like a lot of the easter eggs but like the venom one with the woman in the bodega uh, we get it we, we get, get it we, we got got it. it and that's not for us it's, it's not. not for us the lego one was great though uh, lego was great i would just request one additional one there's actually two i will say um one is there's like a weird transformers one that was always uh, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's like briefly used in the comics, and they kind of okay. come along. And then also Spider Gentora. I would like to yeah. see her in it as well. <laughs> yeah, she'd be great Where's to see. Where's the Spider Gentora? Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of the portrayal of Ben Riley? by the way? I am obsessed with it. It's so good, <laughs> and I don't need any more. I just need I agree. a dabble do you for him. And he truly is the gentor of this film. Honestly, uh, I, I swear to God, I like the the angsty like internal but external monologue. So good. The fact that he looked like a '90s comic. He looked yes. like Tom Lyle drew him. A thousand like, percent. Oh, it's a perfect pose. I'm flexing so and, hard. And <laughs> if they used him, I know I would have been annoyed immediately. So they use him in such the right way. And also, he's an important plot threat. Like he gets his thing stolen, and that's how like yeah. it comes about. Love uh, I want to see more of Just True as well. Yes. I uh, I really loved her character. I think she was absolutely interesting as Miguel's like chief lieutenant. Uh, you know, you know, and and Gwen's mentor. Just more, 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 more. Yeah. Uh, so last, uh, were there uh, uh, here are a couple Easter eggs. Let's get some reactions. If there were any other Easter eggs you liked, mm-hmm. uh, Lego World. Beep beep beep. Uh, yeah. Where he actually says what his <laughs> wristwatch does. Beep, that beep. was cute. Um. Uh, the bonus cards explaining details like a comic book editor would, like uh, Hammer Space. 
Oh, hammer space is the extra dimensional Phenomenal. pocket where you Great. put the hammers. Make it more like make it feel like more like a comic. Uh, one I only caught on a second rewatch when the spot leaves the bodega. He takes some gum. That gum is called Venement gum. Oh my oh, god! I didn't even notice that's that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, of course, all, all of the things all over the place, the giant bagel sign. Everything well. always all at once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What a great fucking movie. It really is. Um, any last thoughts? Anything you wanted to add? Or, or are we fucking done here? I just, I wish you fe- featured Spider-Gwen more. But um, is, I yeah, th- this is a Spider-Gwen free. <laughs> this is a Spider-Gwen podcast. I, I do yeah. think she had such a good arc in this. We, we really could have thrown her away. And I really just enjoyed her. So I'm glad we got to see more of her. And I, and I, the last movie might be 45 hours long, but I want to see all of them a lot more. Yeah. And uh, in my head canon, uh, Gwen is actually trans in this universe. I love that. Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. All right, that's been our podcast. It's been a fun ride. We hope you enjoyed it. You can check us out on Twitter at Homo Superior X and Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. Uh, if you like the format, you know, let us know. If you dislike it, let us know a little bit more, but, you know, I guess nicer. Um, <laughs> fucking idiots. We I hate this dick format. Picks. Dick picks, y'all. Uh, go get bitten by a spider. Uh, or bite one. Or bite one yourself. <laughs> it's Chomp. Pride Month, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, bye. 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 bye.